God has a heart for the nations of the world to know him. And he has a plan which he is unfolding throughout history to make sure that happens. A mission to bring salvation through the Savior to all nations. I want you to catch God's heart for the nations. I became a Christian uh, back in the 90s when I was in high school and started to uh, grow in God's word, uh, joined this church and was really growing. And as I got into God's word, I started to understand a theme throughout scripture. And that was that God has a heart for the nations to bring salvation to all nations. We're going to talk about God's mission, this rescue mission, his heart for the nations. We're going to talk about mission progress, how have we done in history. We're going to talk about the status today, and we're going to talk about a call to action for how we can be involved. I want to start us out um, looking at this plan of God throughout Scripture, because I want you to catch what I caught. I want you to open up to Genesis chapter 10. And I want to walk through Scripture with you very quickly. Okay, we're going to run through. We don't have a lot of time. Um, and I want you to see some of the things that God says that, helped, that showed me that he had a heart for the nations. You see, it's not just, well, I'm just trying to get along, and you're just trying to get along, and we're trying to be good Christians, and then we die and we go to heaven. No, there's actually a plan. There's actually a mission that God has been weaving throughout history that we're a part of. There's a purpose that he wants us to be a part of. I want you to look at Genesis chapter 10. This is genealogies. Genealogies are a historical record of descendants, in this case from Noah, his sons, and the descendants after them. We usually like to skip this part, but there's a lot of importance in it, and I want to point out one thing from these genealogies. Look at Genesis 10, chapter 10, verse 1. These are the generations of the sons of Noah. Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Sons were born to them after the flood. And then what happens is we have a listing of their descendants. Uh, the sons of Japheth, Gomer, Magog, Madai, Javan, Tubal, and so on. And then look at verse 5. It says, From these the coastland peoples spread in their lands, each with his own language, by their clans, in their nations. It's sort of a summary statement at the end of the list. And then we go on in verse 6 and we talk about the sons of Ham. Go to the end of that list, verse 20. These are the sons of Ham, by their clans, their languages, their lands, and their nations. Then we look at verse 21, and we talk about Shem and his descendants, and we get to a summary statement in verse 31. These are the sons of Shem, by their clans, their languages, their lands, and their nations. Then the summary for the whole chapter, these are the clans of the sons of Noah, according to their genealogies, in their nations, and from these the nations spread abroad on the earth after the flood. Now why after each grouping of descendants does it say each of them went to their own nation and their own land? Because my grandfather speaks the same language as my father, and my father speaks the same language as me. Why don't all these people speak the same language? They all came from Noah, and they had children. They would speak the same language. Here's why. Because in the next chapter... 
we find that all these clan heads who are, uh, there's 70 of them that are listed in chapter 10, and their descendants have gathered together in one place and said, you know what, God said we should spread out and and fill the whole earth, but you know what, we're not going to do that. We're all going to get together, we're going to build a city, we're going to build a tower up to heaven, and nothing's going to be greater than us. And in chapter 11, we find that these clan heads, as well as their clans, we could say their tribes, their groups of descendants below each of them, are separated at the Tower of Babel and given new languages, and they are cast away from one another because they can't understand each other, and each of these groups goes to a different place on earth. Migration throughout the earth. We see in chapter 11, Genesis 11, in verse 8, now in verse 7, God says, Come, let us go down there and confuse their language so that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord dispersed them from there over the face of the earth, and they left off building the city. Therefore, its name was called Babel, because there the Lord confused, in the Hebrew that's Balal, it's a play on words. The Lord confused the languages of all the earth, and from there the Lord dispersed them over the face of the earth. This is really interesting because we have in Genesis 10 and 11 this explanation of the first 70 language groups on earth that were spread out at the Tower of Babel. It started out with 70 languages millennia ago. They were scattered because of sin as a judgment. And then, hundreds of years later, if you turn to uh, chapter 12, Genesis 12, God shows that he's not done with them. He's not done with these nations because he says in Genesis 12, 1, the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families or clans, the Hebrew word is mishpaha, of the earth shall be blessed. In you, all the clans of the earth shall be blessed. Is it a coincidence that Genesis 12 comes after Genesis 10 and 11? It's not a coincidence. Because we see the scattering of the peoples in Genesis 10 and 11. And in Genesis 12, God says, I'm choosing this guy, Abraham. And he and his people, his descendants, I'm going to use them to reach all of those scattered nations and they're going to be gathered back to me. If you flip over to Genesis 22:18, God gives a little more detail about what he means when he uh, says to Abraham, in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. Genesis 22:18, in your offspring, the Hebrew word is seed, in your seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. In your seed, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. You see, Abraham himself is not going to be able to reach all the nations of the world. But God says there is a descendant coming after you, and he is going to be the one that reaches all the nations. It's a cryptic prophecy of the Savior. Because in Galatians 3.16, you don't have to turn there if you don't want to. If you're fast, you can. Um, Galatians 3.16, Paul tells us, The promises were made to Abraham and to his seed. It does not say, and to seeds, talking about many, but referring to one, and to your seed, who is Christ. So Paul's pointing out to us that 
God made this prophecy to Abraham. He said, Abraham, one of your descendants is going to bring the blessing of salvation to all these nations that were scattered because of sin, and they will all be regathered. And then, later on in Israel's history, the descendants of Abraham, God says in Exodus 19.4-6, you will be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. What do priests do? They act as a mediator between God and man. God says to Abraham's descendants, he says to the nation of Israel, I'm going to use you to be mediators between me and the rest of the world, all the nations. You're going to be a kingdom of priests. And then he said, I'm going to give you a special land to live in. And this was not just a random place in the world. It was strategic. You see, Israel is located in a place in the world, in the ancient world, where major trade routes had to go from empire to empire. You've got Egypt down below. You've got Babylon and Assyria in the north and the northeast. And right in the middle, you've got Israel. There's desert on the east. There's water on the west. If you're going to trade between these empires, you've got to go through Israel. And so why did God take Abraham's people and place them there? Because they were supposed to reach the nations. And all the trade routes of all the nations are going through their land. And God says, I'm going to use you as an example. And when people come through here, they're going to say, why are you not working on the Sabbath? What's this all about? We are worshiping the one true God, the one who scattered all the nations. He's calling out to all the nations to come back to him. That was the intent of Israel. That was the intent of putting them in that place. It was strategic. We continue in Scripture, and God continues to show us that he has a heart for all nations. God, be gracious to us and bless us and cause his face to shine upon us, that your way may be known on the earth, your salvation among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you will judge the peoples with uprightness and guide the nations on the earth. The earth has yielded its produce. God, our God, blesses us. God blesses us that all the ends of the earth may fear him. You see, he didn't just choose Israel and say, I'm going to bless you. You're the only ones I care about. He said, no, I'm blessing you so that you can be a blessing to the rest of the nations on earth. That's God's mission. And then in Isaiah, as we walk through history, the prophet Isaiah in 700 BC, I will make you as a light for the nations. This is speaking of the coming Messiah. And God is saying, I'm going to make you a light for the nations that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. And then the Savior comes. And Revelation 5.9 says that with his blood, he purchased people from among every tribe, language, people, and nation. God is still thinking about those nations that were scattered in Genesis 10 and 11. And he purchased people from among every one of those nations with his blood. Then we see in Matthew 28.18-20, we see the Great Commission where Jesus says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. God has a heart for all nations. The Savior is for all nations. And then in Matthew 24, 14, this is so important that Jesus says he's not coming back until it's finished. He said this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. And so he places Uh, his second coming dependent upon this mission to the nations being completed. The Savior for
for all nations. And we see in Acts chapter 2 when the Holy Spirit comes down uh, and indwells believers in the church, what happens? They are miraculously given the ability to speak in other languages and they're proclaiming the glories of God. They're in Jerusalem, the apostles and their followers around them, or Jesus' followers, I should say, around them. And they're speaking other languages miraculously. We call that the gift of tongues or the gift of languages, right? And other people are in, are in Jerusalem and they say, these guys are locals. How are they speaking my language? We've got Arabs here. We've got people from other places. And it's a miraculous ability to speak that language, to share the gospel in that other language. Why? Because God has a heart for the nations and he's showing it throughout history. And then, of course, we see the missionary Paul, who we're going to see the movie coming up, very timely, and the New Testament is comprised a lot of a lot of his missionary letters that he wrote to the churches. And so we see God's heart for the nations. A savior for all nations. And then, even to the end of the world, Revelation 7, 9. I'm going to t- turn there and read that for you. And we see God says, uh, through the Apostle John, I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. You see, at the end of the world, there will be worship from every tribe, every language, every people, and every nation. And this one blows my mind. Revelation 21, 24, and 26. Now we're at the, after the final judgment. We're at the new heaven and the new earth. And what does it say? It says, speaking of the new Jerusalem, by its light will the nations walk. You mean there's a distinction of nations even in the eternal state? And the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it, and its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. They will bring into it the glory and the honor of the nations. God shows throughout Scripture and throughout history that he has a heart for the nations. His mission is to bring the Savior to all nations. So God's plan will come full circle from the fall of mankind and the scattering of the nations to the redemption and regathering of believers from among all those nations. So how has God's mission to the nations been carried out by his people since the time Jesus gave the Great Commission? We're going to watch a short video that shows what kind of progress we've made.
Isn't it amazing to see the progress over the last 2,000 years of how God's word has spread throughout many parts of the earth? Remember, the mission is salvation through the Savior to all nations. Now let's talk about the mission status today. Let's talk about the task that remains. This is the number of language groups who do not yet have the Bible or even a Bible translation project started in each continent. There are 7,000 languages in the world today. You see, languages change over time, and people groups have conflict and separation, and then languages continue to develop. So we had 70 at the Tower of Babel. We have 7,000 today. Can you believe that? Well, think about it for English, just uh, as an example. If you think about Old English, you try to read Beowulf or something like that in Old English, you can't understand it. You can't understand it, right? And it's only been 500 years, or in, in the case of Beowulf, it's probably, I don't know, it's been 1,000 or 1,500 years. But that's for, a, for English that has been written down. And once a language is written down, it's relatively stable. And it's still changed over the centuries. How much more so non-written languages, tribes that are out in the jungle. You've got conflict and separation and moving, conflict and separation, hundreds of years, thousands of years. And what you have is a multiplication of languages and people groups over time. And so today we have 7,000 distinct languages. And in each continent here, we see that there are still many languages that do not have God's word. And of course, that represents many people who have not heard the gospel. It's hard to imagine that after 2,000 years, still hundreds of nations, hundreds of people groups live in places very isolated from exposure to the gospel. These are the most difficult places to go as a missionary because of ingrained spiritual resistance, cultural pressures, danger and sickness, geographical isolation, and language barriers. That's why they've remained unreached for so long. Here's what it looks like to have those remaining Bibleist languages listed out. Bill, could you hold this for me while? These are the languages of the world that do not yet have the Bible translated into them. And you can just let it drop, Bill, it's fine. Remember, the mission is the Savior to all nations. The Savior to all nations. The Savior to all nations. A couple weeks ago, my family and I uh, got to go to the Bible Museum, or the Museum of the Bible in D.C. Um, and they have an exhibit there where they show uh, all the languages of the world, the 7,000 languages of the world, each represented by a Bible. Those that are in dark brown are those that have the full Bible uh, already translated into their language. Those who are in, that are, have an orange type of a color have portions of Scripture have been translated. Then they have the yellows. And the yellows are not yet begun. And there are hundreds of them. On this bookshelf, I took a picture of just a portion of them. This is why we're missionaries. This is why we're willing to live, leave behind our families, our homes, our country, our safety, our health. We've caught the heart of God, the mission of God for all nations. The Savior for all nations. The Savior 
for the Hemba people, the Savior for the Uneme people, the Savior for the Bareli people, the Savior for all nations. And there's one book on the top shelf that says, Not Yet Begun, Aobono, which is an alternate name for the tribe that we work in, uh, also known as Bayono. And you'll usually, you'll usually hear me hear the, uh, use that word. You see, in 2006, my wife Caroline and I said, God, you said you're going to reach all nations. Which ones do not have believers yet? Send us to one of those. But we didn't learn about them in a museum. We learned about the Bayono tribe when we were planning exploratory trips into the jungles of Papua, Indonesia. The Bayono tribe is found 250 miles into the swampy jungles of one of the remotest places on earth. I want to show you a short video that gives you a little better idea of what it means to minister in the Bayono tribe. I apologize, this video is a bit dated, but it still gives you a good idea. Jesus told us to go into all the world, to every country and even every tribe, to all the different groups of people who speak different languages, and tell them about him, so that those people can become followers of Jesus too, just like us. Our family is telling people about Jesus far, far away, deep in a jungle, in a place called Papua, Indonesia. We live in a village with a group of people called the Bayono tribe. This is the Bayono tribe. 400 people, 400 square miles of dense remote jungle. Never a believer in Jesus Christ in the history of the world. First, we want you to meet our family. There's Matt. Caroline. Mark. Micah. Elijah. And Luke. But he'll be here in a few days. That's our family, and we're missionaries. Now it takes a long time to get to Bayona Village. We have to ride on four different big jet planes during three whole days to get to Papua. Then we have to get on a little plane and ride an hour to a small town in the jungle called Dekai. In Dekai, we get on a helicopter and ride for 20 minutes, finally landing in Bayono Village. It's a long way to go, but it's worth it, because the Bayono people have always lived far away from anyone else who could tell them about Jesus. No Christians have ever learned their language to be able to tell them about Jesus in their own language, the Bayono language. 
See what I mean? We can't understand what in the world they're saying and they can't understand us. That's why it's our mission to live in their village with them and learn their language so that we can tell them about Jesus. Please pray for us and the Bayono people so they will learn what it means to know Jesus Christ as their loving Lord and Savior. Until a few years ago, the Bayono tribe had never had a believer in the Savior, ever. They are far away from the outside world, separated by language barriers, dense jungle, and intense fighting between tribes. They are cannibals, and earlier in our lifetime, they were still using stone axes and tools. If you were born into the Bayono tribe, the first few minutes of your life would be hearing a conversation between your relatives about whether you should have your neck broken and be cast away to the jungle predators, or whether you would be kept and brought up to adulthood. If you grew up in the Bayono tribe, you would be constantly struggling with hunger pains, tropical diseases, fear of evil spirits, and fear of human enemies. You'd usually live in a treehouse because that offers better protection against enemies who come attacking at night. Your favorite food would be fat white grub worms, and your staple food would be a tasteless pancake made from the starchy trunk of a palm tree. Your roads would be rivers and your transportation would be canoes. Your bathing and swimming will be with one eye always looking over your back because crocodiles also live in your rivers. You would always be worried about being accused of using black magic because workers of evil magic are killed and eaten by the rest of the tribe to protect the tribe against further exposure. Does this surprise you? 2,000 years ago, my ancestors in the barbarian tribes lived just like this. This is the life of a nation separated from God at the Tower of Babel and continuing to live in spiritual darkness because no one has brought the gospel to them yet. Favorite foods, the type of houses they live in, the tools they use, those aren't the things that we're concerned about. Those aren't the things we're worried about changing. But living in fear of demonic spirits, constantly feuding with their neighboring clans and tribes, having no hope in this life or in the afterlife, that's the bondage Jesus came to set them free from. And that's why we're there to introduce them to the Savior for all nations the Savior for all nations, the Savior for all nations, even for this little forgotten tribe in the middle of nowhere, because they're important to God, so they're important to us. When we return to Papua, I've been asked not only to continue the work among the Bayono tribe, but to help train and mentor other Bible translators, Papuans who are desperately trying to translate the Bible into multiple other languages in the region. You've seen what it looks like in the jungle. I also want to give you an idea of what it's like to live in our main base town in Papua. That town is called Sentani, and it's where I'll be training and mentoring Papua, Papuan Bible translators from multiple surrounding tribes. This is where our family will be living full-time for the first two years with the goal of gradually increasing Bayono ministry involvement back in the jungle over time.
And uh, finally, I want to give you a little idea of what it's like to drive our boys to the missionary kids' school each morning in Sentani. So go ahead and roll the video. I've seen life through the eyes of a different soul. I left my past so my future would be under control. Now I got nothing standing in my way. I gave it all away. I gave it all away. Okay, so we don't normally drive that fast, okay? That video is sped up in case you're wondering. <laughs> so our family is moving back to Papua, Indonesia to live there for several years and continue the ministry there. What does this mean for you? This is the time for the mission call to action. God has a mission which we've seen throughout the Bible and throughout history. He is bringing salvation of the Savior to all, nation, all nations, and he's called us to be involved. A salvation through the Savior for all nations. Not everyone can go to the other side of the world and live among an un unreached people group like the Bayono tribe. But if you're not called to go, then help send us. Training Papua Bible translators, continuing language learning in Bayono, coordinating Bible translation efforts. We're ready to leave everything and throw ourselves back into this ministry again. We're depending on people like you to join with us as prayer and financial partners so we can move back to Papua and continue the ministry. If you're catching God's heart for the nations, then join with us. So there are response cards that are in the chair backs in front of you, and you were handed uh, information for the patents as well, and the Bryants also have assist brochures in the back. I want to encourage you to choose one of these response cards and at least sign up for email updates. At least sign up to be a prayer partner and follow along with one of these ministries that are reaching out to those who are lost. And if you're excited about being a part of one of these ministries in a deeper way, then use the response card to start partnering financially. On average, Americans spend more money on Halloween costumes for their pets than they spend on supporting outreach to unreached people groups. This should not be and I'm challenging you to help turn that around. Let's catch God's heart for the nations. Let's be a part of his mission, bringing salvation through the Savior for all nations.